What's up, world? I'm Matt Newberg from Hungary, and this is The Feed. Each episode, we'll dive into conversations with the industry insiders who are leveraging technology to shape the way we eat. On today's episode of The Feed, the Hungry Trends community sat down with the co-founders of Provecho, a Lincoln bio-recipe product for the next generation of chef creators building their audiences on social media. On TikTok alone, there are nearly 60 billion views for content tagged Food TikTok, but no easy to follow recipe guide, nor a streamlined way for culinary influencers to monetize their recipes through branded sponsorships. In this episode, we'll dive into the startup's two-sided marketplace between chefs, CPG brands, and consumers, what Instacart's TikTok partnership means for its strategy, and the startup's vision to become the link between online recipe discovery and home cooking. All right, so I'm very excited to be joined today by Conrad DeMassi and Zeke DeSantis, co-founders of Provecho, a new Lincoln Bio recipe startup that's changing the way the internet cooks on platforms like TikTok and Instagram. Prior to Provecho, Conrad was an undergraduate at UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business, and Zeke was an engineer at SpaceX. Guys, welcome aboard. Hi, welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Matt. I'm very excited to have my first uh, two-person co-founder podcast. So I appreciate you both taking out time in your busy schedules to jump on with me. Yeah, we're excited to be here. This is our first podcast. So yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're very excited. Okay, you, you heard it first on Hungry. So I wanted to kind of start with kind of the, the origin story behind Provecho. I know that Conrad started by creating a Facebook group kind of in the early days of the pandemic. Um, why don't you talk to us about kind of your background and how you kind of started uh, on this journey? Yeah, so it's funny. It, it really started as just my own personal frustration. Whenever I would try to, to cook something, I felt like I couldn't get past all these life stories and and almost you know generic blog content that you would see online. And so I started getting really interested in cooking from other people, whether it was friends of mine or people that I was seeing on social media. It just always felt like a much more direct, authentic way to uh, discover new recipes. And so the Facebook group started literally right during the pandemic. And it, it grew quickly to like 1,500 people. Everyone was posting every day. And there was just a lot of excitement about it. And, you know, this doubled as two things. It helped kind of reveal this issue that, yeah, there is a fundamental misalignment with how people are cooking through the internet. And it also gave us a chance to talk with the people that, you know, my generation that were excited about food. And so really two things came out of it. The first was that we realized there's a, a reason behind the frustrating experience to cook online. The bloggers are able to make money by having these Google ads that are thrown at you. And the way that they do well for SEO is by having all that life story content. And so what results in a career for them was taking away from the fundamental way that people were cooking online. And then the second thing that it revealed was there's a better way for our generation to cook. Like it didn't just have to be a list of words. So all these things from seeing how much of each ingredient you need within each step, checking steps off, all these little things that people from the Facebook group actually thought of when I was you know, talking to, to hundreds of them. We kind of wanted to bring the two together and put that within you know, social media. Got it. So yeah, cooking took off in a major way. We got 60 billion views, I guess, of TikTok food. I guess a lot of that came in the past couple of years or last two years since the pandemic. 
you know, we saw the the rise of the TikTok pasta. We saw more people trying sourdough bread out of their home ovens than ever before. You're doing this Facebook group, I guess. What was the next step from that point of, okay, I actually should put pen to paper here and, and start to sketch out a product or or put something out there? And, and maybe you can tell us more about, you know, kind of what that initial, you know, V1 product was. Yeah. So the first idea was to make a social media for food. And, you know, I was like, this is the next big thing. It's going to be like Strava. It's going to, you know, food's always been social, you know, no reason it shouldn't have its own social media channel. But the problem with that, I realized pretty early on was that anytime that you're creating a a social app, you face the cold start. So you need to get hundreds of thousands of users on this platform in order for it to even work, right? Because if you have a social app with 100 people on it, there's not going to be recipes. It's, It's not the experience that you're dreaming of. So the way that people avoid that is they'll figure out some crazy viral loops, they'll get lucky, but usually they just have massive VC backing. And this was the problem that like Tinder faced, Bumble faced. It's it's a very slow process to begin with. And so that was the first thing. There was also just a ton of competition for social apps, for food apps. It just really felt like we were starting off on the wrong foot. But what it did do is, you know, we had this new, more streamlined experience like for, for actually cooking recipes. And we knew that regardless, influencers were going to be a way to to be a part of it. And so I started talking to them, started, you know, telling them about this, this more streamlined way to cook and really just started kind of brainstorming how we could help the creators behind these recipes earn money in a way that wasn't just blasting their fans with blog content and Google ads. And that's really when the idea started to take off. So what we came up with was, oh my gosh, what if we take this experience, put it within any social platform through Instagram, TikTok, etc. LinkedIn bios. And then we could basically unlock this really intuitive cooking experience from where their fans already are. Mm. And so that's really how it started. The idea was, you know, let's instead of starting something from scratch, let's let's build on the shoulders of giants. And from the jump, you know, talking with creators, they they were really excited from it, even from when I was just like pitching them a, a Figma live demo. I would I would send a video of me talking like, hey, I have this super cool idea. Uh, it takes your recipes and it helps you make money. And it also makes your fans, it gives your fans like just the most intuitive recipe experience ever. Uh, and so got a couple on. It was just really very much faking it till we, till we made it. Mm. But ever since that, that kind of changed, things have just been going very quickly. So library and what we actually built, basically we, we kind of made the slimmed down ultimate recipe UX that, everyone who's ever cooked online actually wants and just takes out all the stuff that's just like not necessary totally in the way. So we just give you a list of ingredients that you can click links to see more about and check off. And then you get a list of of directions. So you can just scroll through and you can see each ingredient in each step as you go to. Yeah. I mean, I I was immediately drawn to that very clean streamlined user interface. And as somebody who's constantly you know, looking, scouring the web for recipes and trying to like save them for later and pull them back up and retrieve them. Uh, You know, if you're not paying for the New York Times recipe subscription, you're drowning in a sea of like web 1.0, you know, SEO optimized content that you mentioned earlier from the likes of like a Hearst or one of these large media conglomerates. It's just literally just making, you know, 
all their money off of AdSense. Um, so I'm curious, you, you start building this, this MVP, Zeke, where, you know, you're at SpaceX as, as a structural engineer working on something, you know, building rockets, what got you drawn into this and how, how did Conrad ultimately convince you that you should quit your job and do this full time? <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I knew Conrad since we were kids, his uncle went to college with my dad. And my younger brother went mm -hmm. to elementary school with him. So if you find the right corners of YouTube, you can actually find some home videos from when we were like 10, uh, just trying out <laughs> our acting skills and stuff. But we'll save that for another podcast. But yeah, I, since I started kind of seeing Conrad going at this, it's something that had like always excited me. Like obviously food's a big part of everyone's life. And for me, seeing a chance to kind of help create something new from the scratch is something that always really excited me. And I kind of started helping Conrad on this part-time maybe in last summer. And I think once I really saw the traction kind of take off with real influencers using the product and real people using the recipes, it was just like, I always knew the idea was great. And just seeing that it actually had momentum, I was like, I, I have to like commit to this. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So how how did you guys go about getting some of those like initial influencers and what was kind of like the early feedback they were giving you? Was it, we really love the, the idea that we could potentially monetize this or is it simply like, well, people who are like essentially cooking our recipes are already like struggling to figure out like how to save the video or watch it over and over again or looking through comments or... I have a blog already and it's, you know, a WordPress site that I haven't updated in X number of years. Like what, what was kind of the main reason they were look, looking to a platform like this and, and how were you able to, to get them to use it? What was like kind of the main value prop for them? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a couple of things. Of course, the, the money always helps the, okay, this, you know, has the possibility to, to earn you or has the potential to earn passive income for you. But I think, you know, because we didn't have that in the beginning. And so what it really was, was just we were giving the creators a better experience than, like you said, the New York Times cooking or like any of the best cooking apps. And we could do that from like the, the lift from them was relatively low because it was already in Instagram, in TikTok, wherever they already were. In terms of pushback, yeah, really the biggest thing was, oh, I, I just don't have time for this right now. Even, you know, sometimes influencers just don't even see your messages or, or don't have time to respond because they're just getting bombarded with them all the time. But I'd say the biggest thing was like, oh, I already have a website. But when they'd say that, we'd say, yeah, we can just put this within your website uh, as an iframe. And so that was like really the strategy from the beginning was let's make this as frictionless as possible for the creators to be able to use it and kind of adapt it to whatever their needs are. I think I think it's fascinating that you have this like two-sided product, right? So on one side you have this recipe interface that we're talking about, and then on the other side you have this relationship between CPG brands and creators, right? You're you're essentially a talent agency that is able to help creators monetize those recipes natively within the content by giving them the option of promoting a sponsored ingredient like a cabo cheddar cheese instead of just generic cheddar cheese or you know they brands are essentially paying for the right 
to be part of that creator's recipe. So I'm curious, like how you balance these two sides, um, how important one is to the other and, and kind of talk through, you know, the, the product strategy around where you guys are pushing as far as this cleaner recipe side and then what you're doing on kind of the more monetization side and some of the traction you've found through that channel. Yeah, I, I think like, although they seem maybe like two separate things, what we're really building is kind of this next generation of a world where food creators who want to do this as their career and share with their fans can come to us and be able to do that. So kind of from our vision, we're always kind of looking at the creators first and figuring out how we can help them make money and give a better experience to their fans. So for example, the recipe format is something that they can easily share their recipe with their fans in a way that's super clean and easy to cook from. But on top of that, something like uh, an integrated kind of food ingredient ad, like with the Cabo cheese and stuff, is a way that the, the creators can, can make money without really selling out or like giving their fans content that isn't good. Since they can still choose ingredients that they really love and would use naturally, and just cook recipes that they would love to cook using those ingredients. And that way the fans can like learn about the best ingredients and not feel like they're being sold to. So yeah, kind of in my mind, it all ties together into this one vision of helping food creators grow and share with their fans. What was kind of like, you know, so you started with like the, the cleaner recipe product and, you know, you were you know, essentially going through creators recipes and even manually doing it for them so that they could, you know, easily be onboarded and kind of in the early days. Now, how did you like go from that point to, to saying, okay, we have this opportunity to now help those creators find brand sponsorships and bake that into the content? Yeah, I think that was always the idea. And the only difference is we realized from the very beginning, like, for any of this to work, we needed to make sure that our number one priority always, always, always was the creators. And so that means two things. It does mean, right, helping deliver the best experience for their fans. But it's also, you know, at the end of the day, this is our job. Uh, we're seeing a lot of our creators literally quitting their jobs to go full time on this, which is incredible to see. And the way that's powering that is through brand deals like this. So it is a marketplace in a way, or it's, it is two-sided in a way, but it's also so, so intertwined. Um, because at, like at the end of the day, we need to be giving creators new ways to monetize. And so far it's been with brands. So what, what does that reach effectively look like right now at this point on your platform? Like how many creators are we talking and what is the collective reach that you are garnering through, through all those creators' audiences if you kind of bundle them all together? Yeah, we have about 12 uh, influencers at the moment. And if you kind of total up all of their followers, I think we have a bit over 15 million followers on TikTok and Instagram. And they get around, I think, 150 million views a month on just recipe wow. and cooking videos. So yeah, if, if you compare that to the, six, the 60 billion a year that TikTok's seeing, I think we're getting somewhere close to 2 billion of them. So I think we've already gotten a pretty good impact. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, can you share a little bit more info on like who these creators are, you know, what sorts of recipes that they, that they're cooking and who they're reaching and kind of like the different segments within that 2 billion views as far as the audiences are concerned. 
Yeah, so they all range from about half a million to like three and a half million total reach. And in terms of audiences, they're all primarily on TikTok and Instagram. We have one guy who just has been blowing up on YouTube as well. But I'd say typically they're they're pretty accessible meals. So we only have one like really high-end chef that's just making these like kind of insane like meals that you you go to a, to a restaurant to see most of them are things that you know most people could could make uh just in their kitchens with what they have we also have a lot of latin creators it seems but yeah for for the most part they're all very recipe centric of course and then in terms of what that looks like on on our site in terms of like conversions so in the first 6 months we did like 100,000 visitors or users to the site. So these are people coming to cook their recipes. And then last month was just incredible. And so we had another 100,000 just in the month alone. And it's it's really exciting to see what viral potential can can look like because you know we had Cardi B remake one of one of the creators recipes. We had another one that just got, you know, like 9 million views and almost broke the site. So it, it's been it's been a fun month. I mean, that's a really interesting kind of dynamic as far as like the sponsored content, because if you are able to get, you know, product placement from a CPG company and something takes off virally in the sense that Cardi B or some other influencer is reposting that content, even if they're not linking back to Provecho, there's still value in the sense that 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 creator is saying the name of that ingredient, right? While they're making it or definitely, I guess to talk to us about like, you know, what brands are seeing as far as like what you're guaranteeing them and like what you're able to, you know, do as far as like overshooting their expectations and kind of maybe also like how they come to the platform in the first place and what they input into you to, for you to decide who to even match them up with. Yeah. So great question. And this was another one of the problems that we saw with the internet right now coming into it fresh was like, okay, influencer marketing is here to stay, but it doesn't seem like the dust has settled yet. There's not like a surefire way if I'm a brand where I can put a budget together, work with proper influencers, and then get a guaranteed reach or, or conversions with these people. And so that was something that we saw right off the bat and we wanted to address so because all of our creators are on all these different platforms, they become less prone to, to like the algorithm if, you know, for, for whatever reason, TikTok isn't pushing their videos, but Instagram and YouTube are. And so what we'll do is a really streamlined approach where creators will make a recipe video using products of a brand, and then they'll post it on all their platforms. And they'll continue posting videos until reaching a specified limit. And so typically we guarantee 1 million views, but in actuality we've averaged 4 million from all the all the deals that we've done. Wow. And so what so like what is the process for them to figure out like the right fit as far as like who they should be targeting? Yeah, so I'll honestly work pre- right now I work very closely with all the brands that we do deals with and we've a pretty good knack for you know, who the right creator is for this fit for whatever the brand is. And they'll basically go through and say, okay, it's April. We want to do a grilled cheese, you know, it's, it's grilled cheese month. So let's do something around that. I'll say, okay, perfect. We'll send it to big eats and Jordan Ramsey. But it's also like at the end of the day, it's, it's up to the brands who they want to work with, but we do like, we're very aligned. We want 
their their content to do well in the same way. So we're always trying to kind of maximize value there. Yeah, the thing that's great is that since we kind of have a personal relationship with the influencers, we can pretty easily kind of feel out who's going to be able to very naturally use a certain ingredient in like their style of recipes and stuff. And that way we can basically let the brands not have to think too hard about it or worry about it. And we're just able to be like, hey, these guys are going to make this type of recipe. They're going to do this with your product. It's going to, their fans are like already into that sort of thing. It's the type of videos they already watch. And that way the, the brands know they're reaching an audience that's like actually excited about that type of product. And it's not like a, a force on the influencer's side to use the product and stuff. Can you talk a little bit more about like the, the, the pilots that you've run so far, like what the CPG brands are and, the, and, the, and those specific ingredients? A lot of cheese. So yeah, you mentioned Cabot. We've done all sorts of Cabot ingredients with their like habanero smoked cheddar. I mean, the, the brands will choose what they want to work with. So just the classic cheddar, the mozzarella, like there's low moisture mozzarella shreds. And then also with Supreme. Uh, so Supreme is a brie cheese and you can find them in Trader Joe's. It's really great stuff. And, you know, a lot of times like on TikTok, it's, it's really the first couple seconds that are the most important. And so our, our most viral video or our creator's most viral video is, uh, yes, I do the cooking, who is literally our first creator on. So that was a really cool moment. And within like the first two days, it had gotten 2 million views. Now it's at like 8.7 million or something insane. So, um, and I think a lot of that is due to the first shot of it was just this like perfectly baked brie, like melty shot. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And so they're working kind of in tandem to figure out like the brand basically has to approve what the dish is and then they can go off to the races and be like, all right, we're going to do this. And then they'll like submit it back and make sure it's okay. Yeah. So we're trying to really limit the amount of back and forth and friction. Like everything, we want everything to be simple, not just the recipes, not just working with, with brands because it's, it can be pretty convoluted right now. So how it's worked so far is that really a lot of it, lies on the creator to to come up with the best you know the best possible content featuring their their products right and there's an alignment there because you know they want to reach the a million views and so does the so does the brand of course so for this like they all these campaigns the creators have sent recipes ideas in We, we we haven't really had any issue with with back and forth so far it's just under this the agreement that you know the products are going to be shown and we're going to uh, yeah, show the packaging, show that it's, it's their product being used. Got it. Yeah, one, one thing we kind of learned and saw kind of working with the, the creators and looking at the numbers on this, most of our creators get something like 20 million views a month on their social media. And if you think about what you can get with a sponsored video, you can get about one cent per view. So if you were to imagine they were to sponsor all of their content, that would be that'd be $200,000 a month just from their videos, which would be an insane salary. And these guys aren't getting that much yet. So like, they're obviously not sponsoring most of their videos. And kind of one of the big holdbacks here is like, if working with brands is a big headache where the brands are constantly asking you to do this and this and this, and like Mm. hold the product up and spin around three times and stuff, like they're not going to want to work with them. (laughs) So by trying to really streamline the process, I think not only are we going to help the creators monetize way more, but we're also going to give good content to the brands because like 
sometimes the brands want to have this forced thing, but at the end of the day, like a natural looking video that just uses the product naturally is what's going to actually sell because it, it doesn't feel like an ad. It feels like the creator actually likes the product. Yeah, totally. I think like figuring out how to productize this side of the business is, you know, a huge unlock for, for CPG companies and for creators. And I think, um, you know, obviously you need, you need the recipes to kind of be there in the first place to just get, to get into the market. But I think, um, you know, this is, this is a huge opportunity and a lot to build on the product side to, you know, build that kind of marketplace between creators and brands. I definitely want to shift into this kind of idea of content and commerce, because I know like on those recipes, there's also links to go and buy the product. I'm curious, like how you guys think about that process of, okay, so I've learned how to create this. I've, I've discovered this recipe. I've learned how to create it. Now I'm going to go and buy the ingredients or now I'm going to go buy some cookware. Talk to us about kind of how you started with like these affiliate links, linking out to other platforms like Amazon, maybe Instacart, et cetera, and how you view like that, that can customer journey as far as, you know, closing the loop to like actually going procure what you need to make that recipe, you know, buying that cheese that you just saw on that video. You know, and and how much those brands care about actually seeing that purchase get tracked through the entire funnel. Yeah, yeah, great question. And so this was kind of the the second really big pillar that we realized was was missing with a lot of influencer marketing, because traditionally you would see a brand deal and they would just say, "Oh yeah, the, you can go buy the product with my link in bio," and in their in their bio there would just be a link to whatever seasoning or whatever else, and the only reason that you would ever click on that is if you were really blown off your feet and, and we're going to go ahead and buy it. But it's not like people weren't actually going there to, I guess you couldn't access it from the content itself. And the whole idea was that, okay, the recipe is, is the primary home where people are going to be going to be cooking. And from there, it's a much more kind of native feel to go and and see, oh, wait, these, this is my whole list of, of ingredients. Let's go check out here. Uh, and so we started off with really kind of jury rigging it where whatever product it was, we could, we would just put the link in and you could click on the product and, and go to that, whether it was through the brand site itself, through an Amazon affiliate link, which they have set up um, or through Instacart. Right. But like, then you have this issue of like, okay, you know, you're buying one spice, you know, it's like, how do you get the most things kind of in that single basket so that it makes sense. Right? Like who's going to go and buy like McCormick spice and just have it like D to C shipped to their house. Right. Right. Like how right. do you think no. about, you know, tying it to, to actually like a weekly stock up purchase or maybe, you know, a, a midday midweek, uh, you know, secondary trip to the grocery store top off. I think the, the vision we have for this is that we're like kind of a full recipe shopping ecosystem where, you can easily look through lots of similar recipes to what you're trying to cook and, and kind of piece together the ideal basket from them and maybe piece together like the other recipes that you're looking at as well and have this kind of directly combined with your online shopping experience mm. so that you're not just like stuck in this one little view where it's just like, oh, I'm just buying spice or I'm just buying the ingredients to make this one cake. Because like when people actually cook and when they actually shop, their mind's kind of all over the place. They're thinking about, these three different things and they're comparing different things and stuff. So we really want to try to 
to build a world where you can kind of see something more holistic on on what you're cooking and what you're shopping. So like just to kind of paraphrase, like you're basically saying becoming more of a destination, like Provecho becoming a front door as opposed to the creators being being the kind of point of entry? Not so much. I think the creators the creators will always be the point of entry, but when you get kind of down to the point where you want to bring that recipe into your own home, Provecho is that that entrance. Got it. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious to pull more on this like content and commerce thread. Um, you know, there's been a couple of announcements, you know, over the last year or so, like TikTok was playing around with a company called Whisk. Mm-hmm. And Whisk was acquired by Samsung. And then TikTok recently just came out with a partnership with Instacart, which, you know, it sounds very similar to, to what we were just talking about as far as, you know, this button that's like, okay, add all these ingredients to my shopping cart from this recipe. So I'm curious, like, what that implies for your strategy, how you guys see yourselves in, in this ecosystem with, you know, uh, online grocers like Instacart, uh, integrating with more content, you know, wh- where, where does that kind of make you want to really focus, you know, kind of as a result of that announcement? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's, it's honestly amazing, because this whole time, we were thinking, okay, how do we, how do we approach Instacart so that we can make this whole basket shoppable and that we can do so in a way that that actually helps the creators further monetize, which is our end goal. And then they announced that that they're already thinking in that same way. So I actually literally just yesterday uh, reached out to them to, to use their API so that we can use that technology, not just within TikTok, but also within all of our other, all the other platforms that our creators are on. So Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, et cetera. I mean, it, it has always been obvious for us that, you know, there's this shift in how our generation is consuming media, but then also how customers are checking out with, with grocery stores and things like that. And the fact that now one of probably the biggest player is aligned with that is, is really exciting. And for us, it's, it's really not so much a competitor because we realized from the beginning that we were going to focus on, on the brand deals. It's more of like, it's going to enhance the experience for the brands that we're working with. Because now, like you said, that actual checkout flow becomes much less frictionless because you can do it with, with just one button. Got it. So pretty much everything will like stay the same. You'll just, instead of like having creators like figure out like where, where to find these products online, you'll just plug into the Instacart API on your recipe page. Um, I think there's a rev share between Instacart and the creator, but I think, where where what's what it sounds like is like the the real opportunity is less on this like affiliate fee from the grocery transaction it's really on kind of the impressions that the creators are able to deliver through sponsored placements is that is that kind of in line yeah i mean if we were if we were a grocery service then the opportunity would be for getting all these new customers with like the next generation of foodies but that was never what we we really set out to be uh, we made a very conscious decision to to focus on the brands, like really the ultimate influencer marketing through food and, and making it shoppable and actionable. And kind of the, the reason for that was like, I think it was something like all of online grocery did $27 billion of revenue, but then only like 800 million was profit. Versus if you look at like the top five food companies, their advertising budget is like three, over three and a half billion dollars. And so just right away, it's like we can go for something where margins are really low and we really need to be at scale for it to work 
or we could start working with our, our creators right now with kind of the whole direction that influencer marketing is going and make it better because we're, we're guaranteeing views, we're making it shoppable. And so that was a pretty, pretty easy decision for us early on. Got it. So yeah, it makes sense. Like just let Instacart handle all Instacart and Amazon essentially handle that kind of piece that you guys don't really want to touch and you focus kind of more on the content side of things and the brand partnership side of things. Yeah. And Zeke, if you want to talk a little bit about the, like the technical difficulties that we were, we were thinking about that, you know, someone like Instacart or Amazon is, it's much more apt to solve. Yeah. I mean, the, the hard part about the, the shoppable recipe is definitely the back end for an Instacart where they're trying to find a single store that can like have all of mm-hmm. one list of ingredients and not have huge discrepancies in like what they have to replace and what they have to change and stuff. So that's something that like as as a kind of social media company and recipe company, we really just don't have the ability to get our hands right. into because we don't have inventory or anything like that. Totally. No, trying to figure out what service can procure this basket of goods at the lowest price that's within your radius of, you know, zip code for delivery the same day, ideally, is something that would require a whole other yeah. separate venture to, to go for and sure. tackle. But kind of as, as we grow and become the number one place that like people go for recipes, I'm definitely excited to see how we can kind of tie that closer and closer with actually shopping for the recipes and stuff too, just so mm-hmm. we can further help people like actually have this be, be a place that's really useful to go to rather than just kind of another thing to scroll through. I mean, from a behavioral standpoint, do you think people, you know, buy their groceries for these recipes, like just as kind of single transactions or do they, do they bundle them as part of something else to make it worth their time as far as ordering? So like, and, 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 and what is the difference in time between like me discovering it and me buying it? Right. So like, I see this recipe from, you know, Cardi B's like reposting one of your creator's recipes. You know, I'm like, oh, this is delicious. I want to go and make this. I think it was like a smoothie or something. Yeah. And, you know, like when, when, what is, when does that actually end up happening as far as after I see that video? And like, is that just a a siloed, you know, trip to the store? Is it combined with something else? Like Conrad said, I think this is kind of a a harder challenge to break into and, and, for now, just kind of getting the content promoted and stuff is going to be our first focus. But I, I think I kind of generally agree with what you're saying that like, I think most people are, are more likely to be kind of doing things in how they would normally shop and maybe bundling it with other weekly shopping or something else, not just like seeing one recipe and wanting to just buy that on its own, especially since like, if you buy all the ingredients for one recipe, usually there's a lot of excess, like if you're getting spices mm-hmm. or something like that, and then you're totally. suddenly spending $60 for like one plate of chicken that you're like, is this, is this really how I want to, totally. to shop? So I think when, when the time is right for us to kind of get into that field, we, again, like we did with the recipe format, want to try to make a, a way to kind of cut away all the BS and make something that people would actually want to use and be able to use rather than just kind of like forcing them into this one way to shop online that might not be practical. Yeah. Yeah. Like to your point, like my girlfriend and I tried to make cookies one time we were just like, Oh, we don't want to go out for dessert. Let's just like make cookies. And like, yeah, yeah we spent like $50 on like 
<laughs> random ingredients, I'm still going through the chocolate chips. Yeah. Really? Those don't last very long in my house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, send them, send them over to Conrad. We'll, we'll get through them. <laughs> but yeah, like maybe as you shop, you could find other recipes that are using those same ingredients and stuff so that you could kind of get exactly more for your your buck and stuff since we'll have all of that info right yeah that's an interesting problem to solve is like okay figure out what's in my fridge figure out like what i'm going to be cooking tonight and then like how do i maximize you know the dollar value of all this ingredients to like reduce the food waste um, at home um i I will i also want to talk kind of a you know for for a young company like you, you guys you know it's impressive to see the integrations that you've announced and the partnerships with uh, companies like Beacons and Koji. Um, I'm wondering if you can kind of like talk about what those two startups do and what that kind of unlocks for you guys as far as the customers that they're targeting. Yeah, so Beacons and Koji are link in bio companies, which is basically on TikTok or Instagram, uh, an influencer can share a single link on their bio and they create these kind of beautiful, simple web pages that let a creator share lots of other kind of links or things about themselves that they want to share on that single page. So they could easily kind of promote maybe their store or their other YouTube or Instagram channels and stuff in this one concise place. So by integrating with them, what we offer is a way for the creators to easily kind of share their recipe site on this LinkedIn bio page. So for example, on Beacons, we created a small little widget that just shows a short thumbnail of some of the top recipes they have. Mm -hmm. So that when a a fan goes to their LinkedIn bio, they can now just quickly see some of the recipes and then click on that and go and make the recipes. I see. So when, when, you know, the way most people use you is through some sort of other LinkedIn bio service that links to you, like a Linktree or a Beacons or a Koji. They could go either way. So if they wanted to just kind of promote only the recipes, then they can just put our link right in their bio. But a lot of these mm-hmm. creators have other things like their own branding right. or their own other channels they want to promote. So this way, we're right there at the top, easy to see, easy to see the recipes, but then they're not boxed out from sharing their other content as well. Totally. You have merch and all sorts of other things that are, are probably other opportunities for you guys in the future. Um, is Koji the same kind of thing as Beacons? Yeah. Yeah, very similar. Just a, a little bit of changes on the UI, but it was overall same concept. And so like, wh- wh- where do you see that going longer term? Like, do you, do you see yourselves becoming more like them as far as like linking out to these play- other channels and helping creators monetize cookware, books, other, and other things? Or is it just pretty much um, staying in your lane on the recipe side? That's a good question. We have so many potential ways that we could take this. I, I don't think that being another link in bio is very high up, at, at least right now. But you kind of asked two questions there because, yes, helping creators in other ways to monetize, that is definitely something that we're always striving for. But it seems like the the need for, you know, having multiple links and, and displaying those in, you know, a really intuitive way uh, is being pretty well met right now with with Beacons and Koji and Linktree. And, you know, there's there's a, a ton of other similar companies too. Got it. And then there's this other thing that like, I guess uh, Zeke figured out, which is this QR codes inside of the content. I'm curious to kind of hear what you guys are doing with that and how you kind of hacked around this uh, interesting, clever little way to really embed yourselves within the video content. 
Yeah, so one of the issues you kind of face on like TikTok is you can't directly put a link in a single video. So for fans to kind of find the recipe instructions from the video, it's a little bit of a, a challenging path where you have to know to go to the uh, the creator's bio and then click the link, mm. which obviously is like for people who are just kind of scrolling through quickly, they're, they're less likely to do that. So one thing we figured out is if you put just a, a quick image of a QR code in the video, the fans mm -hmm. can take a screenshot of that and then you're able to actually just click directly on the QR code with like the latest iOS update and then you're taken directly to the website which has the recipe. Mm, that's super cool. So like the how would the creator do go about actually generating that QR code and then like sticking that inside the video? Yeah, so in our kind of backend dashboard that the creators use to upload the recipes, we built our own kind of custom QR code generator mm. where they just can hit another button on the recipe and it will just print out the uh, the image right. for them. And then all they need to do is overlay that on the video. Got it. And so how, how are you seeing that as far as adoption and then on the creator side? And then how does that translate to kind of engagement on the viewer side um, as far as like, is, the, is there a greater conversion from seeing a video to, you know, clicking on a QR code and screenshotting it versus going into the link in bio, you know, how, how are those two kind of um, battling each other out as far as the data? Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a big increase, especially compared to just a video where the, the creator doesn't specifically tell the fans to go to the link in bio, mm -hmm. since it's something you might not intuitively know to, to go to. I right. think on some of the few first ones we've we've tried out, we were seeing something like five x increase in, like the ratio of recipe views on Provecho versus video views mm -hmm. on social media. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited to see how how it keeps going. It'd be cool to see maybe other people adopt it outside of the food industry, since I think it's a useful hack to share a link in TikTok. And for the record, we did it before Coinbase. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. What is Coinbase doing? They had a Super Bowl ad that was just a picture of a QR code. Oh, so they wanted people to like take a picture of the TV screen and then like yeah, do it later. I see. Yeah, it was insane. Interesting. The the site crashed. It had like millions of, of people doing it. It was it was genius. We just uh, didn't have the budget for a Super Bowl ad this year. Probably next year. <laughs> yeah, watch out, watch out, Super Bowl twenty twenty three. It's gonna be press <laughs> videos everywhere. I'm curious how you kind of look at, you know, like the where you sit in the ecosystem and like these platforms and, you know, what what being, you know, like the, the what the horizontal strategy essentially affords you, right? The fact that you are integrated into, you know, Snapchat, Insta Instagram, TikTok, I mean, you're not putting all your eggs in just the TikTok bucket. Like, I guess talk to us, like, what what happens as these platforms become a little bit more strict or you know, maybe they start, you know, messing with the Lincoln bio traffic or, you know, there's just all these things you have to account for and to play by their rules. What does being one level, like kind of meta above the platform, you know, force you to do and think about as, as far as like not putting all your eggs in one basket? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's really great. And it kind of lets us be more of a team with our influencers. I feel like, like rather than just being like an add on piece of tech that, they use on some of their videos. Like we're really kind of like a world that they live in and kind of the, the vision we have for the future is, is 
anyone who wants to be a food influencer is always going to come to us because we're going to give them the best ways to share their recipes, the best ways to monetize, the best ways to kind of exist cross-platform and stuff like that. Mm. And yeah, it does it does make us a lot more robust to any smaller changes on like the algorithms on one of the social media platforms or specific regulations on one of them where we can rise above that a little bit. Got it. And you know, what would you say are like, and obviously TikTok is the number one, but what are some of the other, you know, platforms that you think are still really relevant as far as um, unlocking the creator food economy? Honestly, TikTok might not even be number one. It's hard to say, but um, typically, at least in terms of brand deals, YouTube is converts the highest. Uh, It's long form video. I mean, they're, they're getting into shorts now too, but you know, it, a lot of people will just go to YouTube to, to look up a recipe. Same with Pinterest, mm. same with Instagram. Snapchat is probably the lowest, at least that we're seeing right now. But it's also, you know, it's a younger demographic. And so we could see that convert into a lot more users down the line. Interesting. Yeah, like I tend to like, I guess, forget about YouTube, but that they're definitely the OG most established player in the space um, with the most traffic. Because it's also like all views aren't created equal, you know? So if you think about how people are going through TikTok, it's like maybe right before they go to bed or something and they're just rapidly Mm -hmm. swiping through everything. Totally. Right. You're a lot lower in the funnel once you're on YouTube because you're already searching for a specific recipe or you're getting, you know, they, they have like some of the best content algorithms to, I mean, so does TikTok. But once you're in that YouTube kind of ecosystem, it's, more like a Google search than it is uh, like a laid back kind of browsing experience like you were alluding to. Well, this has been really cool to, to kind of dive into like the, the future of cooking on, on the internet with you guys and understanding the, the next generation of culinary influencers and um, at-home chefs. If people want to follow what you're doing uh, and see some of these recipes, where can they go to get started? And then Um, If there's any kind of recruiting job opportunities that you guys want to promote, uh, now's your time to uh, shoot away. Yeah, you can find us on Provecho.bio. Bio Bio is in Lincoln Bio. And then also on our socials as Provecho Eats or on TikTok, we're Provecho with two O's. And then, yeah, I guess the biggest promotion thing I'd say is like, we're we're always looking for people that are hungry. And then also I'd say for, for brands, if there's anyone that's, that's, uh, interested in in kind of unlocking this new form of influencer marketing we've got the people for you okay awesome and then one one last question before we all uh, go back to work what were some of the highlights of expo west how how was that experience for you guys i unfortunately had to miss it yeah expo west was was super fun we met like hundreds of different food brands and stuff i think outside of the glorious glorious massage chairs one of the (laughs) highlights was probably conrad conrad making viral tiktok drop videos i don't know if he wants to to talk about that at all i saw that but yeah. yeah it was just it was great to meet so many people and hear like kind of how excited a lot of them were about like a chance to to work with us and stuff yeah I, on the the business side of things it was just great to to actually be face to face with people and and talk to brands and see that this is something that they were genuinely excited about almost across the board i had one person that was like oh we already do this and i was like really I don't, th- I don't think it exists yet, but um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was great. And then doing the drop challenge. I don't know if you've seen that. 
but that was just a pretty hilarious way to approach new brands and kind of have some fun with it too. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. So I think you can, you can look at that videos on our TikTok and LinkedIn and everything. All right, guys. Well, it's been really fun to follow this journey along with you in, in a very short period of time and I appreciate you guys coming on and uh, wish you the best uh, of luck going forward. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us and always being one of our early fans. Of course. Incredible, Matt. As always, a pleasure. Yeah. All right. Awesome, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you're curious to get a firsthand look at the cutting edge of food and tech, check out Hungry.TV. That's Hungry with No You, where you can join in on live conversations like these or sign up for the free weekly newsletter.